Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. Colin, in regards to ticker ADMA, they have recently instituted a poison pill and a little confused on what that means for me and if this is a good thing. And provides unbiased answers. All right. So a poison pill refers to a strategy that companies typically take. Invest Talk. Over 29 million downloads and counting. My question is in regards to the stock American Tower AMT. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, sorry, Monday, <laughs> February 8th, 2021 edition of Invest Talk. And on today's program and podcast, I am going to do my best here to operate with, a, with our mission state, mission statement, excuse me, <laughs> independent thinking and shared success. And that means when I'm unpacking market news, uh, explaining the process of analyzing an investment, uh, just giving you broad education about the economy, etc., or specific stock commentary. I'm going to do that without bias, just present you with the facts that I see them, and I have a lot of facts in front of me and, and systems, so uh, I can look things up, and, and that's my goal here, is to distill all this information down into something usable, actionable for you. Ultimately, you have to make the decision. You have to make the right decision for your investment philosophy, for your long-term goals, and in context to the current market environment. Now, I'm Justin Klein. Of course, we encourage you to contact us with your finance and investment questions. You get to shape the show to your liking when you do give us a call. Beck, you can call and interact with us right now during our live stream, 4 to 5 Pacific time, or leave questions anytime on our Best Talk Voice Bank. That number never changes, 888-99-CHART. So let's get right to our first question now. Hi, Stephen Justin. Thanks for taking my call. My question is in regards to the stock American Tower AMT. It's a REIT uh, that I've been following since uh, June and July. Uh, it's had a pretty good pullback since uh, its July high. It looks like it's pulled back about 23%. I'd like to uh, do not own this stock at this time, but it's something I want to get into. Uh, I've been watching it for a while, and I feel like this pullback now is a good opportunity to buy into this stock. Uh, I'd like to hear what you guys have to say about it and uh, know if this is a good time to purchase or if I should wait for it to pull back more. Thanks for everything you guys do. Look forward to hearing the answer on the show. Thanks. All right, looking at American Tower Corp, AMT is the symbol, and this is a REIT that doesn't yield quite as much as most others, right? Only about a 2% dividend yield right now, 1.9. And he's right, this has had a tough time over the past, call it six months or so. Its 52 week high is $272, and now it's at 232, which is about 14.5% off of that high. But 
the big question is, is this a good buying opportunity? Because longer term, this company has grown its earnings pretty consistently. Not at a super fast clip, but pretty consistently. And what they do, this is a REIT that owns cell towers used by wireless service providers, TV broadcasters, etc. So, uh, certainly their products or their space within cities across the country and really across the world are in high demand as you know, the likes of AT&T, T-Mobile, Verizon, and others uh, try to improve their network, maintain their network. And with 5G, uh, there's going to be more and more of those sites. And they're vital, right? They're vital to making a cellular network work as well as it can, right? And so AMT certainly has filled that void and it allows the network operators to not have to own so much real estate, right? They're just renting and leasing space on these towers. And so uh, American Tower has benefited in that way. Now, the big question here is that they do have a lot of debt and their growth has slowed pretty markedly over the past, call it year and a half. Average revenue growth over the last seven quarters it's probably in the neighborhood of 4 or 5%. Earnings in 2020, only up 6% after years where it was basically consistently up in the 15, 20% range. So growth has slowed, and that's why you're starting to see the multiples that it's trading at come down. Uh, and the big question is, has it, has it come down enough to be a fair value? Now, our fair value is somewhere closer to 180 to $190 a share. Now it's at 232 But it's a good company. Okay, It's a very good company. You're going to get that dividend. Its cash flow is consistent. Uh, it's just starting to try to re-rate. Right? The market's re-rating it to a lower multiple. And so the biggest support in my mind would be around that 185 level. That's what I would get excited about picking it up. Here it's a good, it's a decent value at 185. It's a great value. Now I know you want strategy to help deal with the current market environments and the uncertainty that a volatile economy will bring. And I'm here to ready to take your calls at 888.99 chart. So let's check in on the market right now before we go to a break. The S&P was up about 28 points, um, very modest up day, very modest up day. And we're at the high end of the range, uh, but technically very strong. There's not much more uh, you, can, you can say about today. Grid start to the week. Uh, last week was relatively choppy if you're looking at the broader indexes. Uh, gold had a good week. Uh, sorry, at an up week last week, the, at least the miners, excuse me. That was one thing that I talked about on Friday was gold was down itself pretty sizably that last week, but gold miners did much better. Actually had an up week barely, which was kind of odd considering gold price. And you've had a good start uh, on the gold miners as well. Silver miners uh, on top of that today, up a little over 2%. So I thought that was interesting. The 10-year dropped about one basis point. So after a very strong move higher last week, you're starting to get uh, an area where maybe finding some consolidation. Uh, but overall, 
you can't really fight the stimulus that is there out of Washington. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We are now in the second trading week of February. And your goal of financial freedom will require information and effective strategies. So let's talk about it. Your participation is an important part of the mix. So we are taking your calls live at 888 chart The markets react to uncertainty. Are you prepared? Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Your financial future depends on the answers to those questions. Justin Klein is here now and ready to talk with you. Call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Now, my focus point today concerns the energy sector. We're going to look at the refiners, an area that is typically underappreciated and underdiscussed, especially in relation to your E&P companies, right? Exploration and production companies, and a lot of them are very large, but also the biggest ones are vertically integrated, where they have refining businesses within their E&P business. And so that can all oftentimes ebb and flow. And that also means that the pure refiners, right, the Valeros of the world, they their business often ebbs and flows pretty dramatically depending on crack spread and, and other factors. So we're going to unpack that industry a bit and where the current environment uh, stands, especially post-pandemic. So that's one thing we're going to discuss. Second is bonds and how your typical allocation of bonds based on rules of thumb are opening investors up to different risks than you've seen in the past, right? Mainly duration risk. And what are the pros and cons of utilizing bond funds and different strategies in order to gain a little extra yield in an environment where there's not a lot of yield? Also, Stimulus checks. What are people doing with those stimulus checks, right? We have had two rounds, both with the CARES Act and the one at the end of last year where uh, a lot of people got $600. And there looks to be another stimulus check coming at about $1,400 or so to American households. And the big question is, how are citizens spending the money? Or, in some cases, not spending the money. So we're going to unpack those details. And then lastly, if we have time, looking at historical stock bond returns and what to expect going forward based on current valuations. Now, that's what's on my mind, but ultimately I want to know what is on your mind. And as you probably noticed, I like to fit in as many color questions as possible. So let's grab one right now at 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve. This is Steve from uh, Brisbane, California. I have a question about Stock ticker price A B M. The ask on it is forty two ten, and the bid is thirty one eighty one. Why is there such a large spread? Thank you. Hmm. A B M Industry. I have not heard of this one, and let me take a look at the volume. Oftentimes, when the spread is very wide, that's because the volume is very light. 
Okay, so let's take a look at that. You have 50-day average volume, $349 and 300 shares. I'll, I'm interested, I don't see that. I'm not seeing what you're looking at. You might be looking after hours. After hours, oftentimes, there's widespread. Uh, I am definitely not seeing that. I'm seeing pennies between trades, right? Uh, I'm even going to a one-minute chart. And so what you're seeing on that spread, that's not accurate. It's a pretty tight spread, especially during trading hours. Now, after trading hours, if you're looking at bid and asks, often they're very, very wide, right? Because the action in after hours is super light. Cost of trading after hours, etc. So I just wouldn't worry about it. Uh, I would, I'd, be, I'd be looking at it during trading hours, and you're not going to see that spread, especially with that volume, 349,000 shares traded on average for the past 50 days per day on a $41 stock. Uh, you, that spread is, is not accurate. Hope that helps. 88899 chart, 88992, is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now let's dig in quickly to the refining business. And oil refiners are predicting a strong recovery in demand for fuel in the second half of this year. More people are expected to go back to work, take vacations, etc. But What's interesting is that these companies are skimming, skimping out on routine maintenance. Typically, this is a time where refineries shut down, they, they clean out systems, they, they replace machinery in order to get ready for the peak summer season when they're going to have to really pump out high volumes because of summer driving demand. Now, clearly, this has been the last year where Capacity utilization has dropped, dropped about 10 points from normal capacity to about 82% currently, according to U.S. government data. So typically this time last year, it's running at 92%. And the business has been tough. Refiners are losing money on output because crude oil prices are rising faster than the demand for fuel. So their, their crack spread has tightened or become negative in some cases. And so after the break, I'm going to break down which companies, uh, the dynamics in the industry are impacting profits because this is vital. If you own any refineries, you own any big integrated oil companies, these trends within the refining space can mean big changes to profitability. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And for investors, the need to remain vigilant never ends. And the calendar says 2021, and we know there will be many changes this year. So naturally, you will have to you'll have finance and investment questions, and we're taking your calls live at 99 chart. Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. I had a question about the stock LRLC. What's your question? 888-99-CHART. It's a new year, and building your financial future takes information and commitment. So you'll have finance and investment questions for Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. Call Invest Talk. 888 99 chart. 
Before the break, I was unpacking what's happening in the refining business. And overall, the demand level for gasoline and jet fuel remains lower than this time a year ago. Not surprising before the outbreak. And it remains about the same as it was in the summer. Now, we had a a lift going into year-end, and then we had acceleration in COVID cases, more shutdowns, and we kind of retrenched back to uh, those summer levels. And so absolute demand for gasoline has retrenched a bit. We're still within the five-year range uh, of gasoline inventory, so that's the positive. But demand-adjusted inventory remains well above historical ranges. So uh, this is something that needs to get back into balance, and until then, you're going to it's going to mean a tough business for the refiners. But remember, the market always looks forward. The market always looks forward, and if we get if the market starts to price in a return to normalcy, you're probably going to see a rally in some of these refining stocks. And in fact, they've already started to rally. If you look since uh, November. And this is kind of a reopening play. And I think this is an under, underappreciated reopening play because the market hasn't fully priced in that recovery. Because the numbers still look relatively poor. It's probably going to be one of the slower things to return to full capacity, to full demand, right? Jet fuel, uh, gasoline fuel, etc. And I think that's one of the reasons. But if you have a longer time period... These lower costs uh, that uh, you know go into not updating or, or cleaning out their their systems because guess what they're they're hasn't produced nearly as much as it normally has. Uh, that's going to save these companies uh, some money. In fact, Marathon, which is one of the largest producers of refined products, they said that they are going to spend ha- about half as much on planned maintenance than they did a year ago. So with lower demand also comes lower costs, and the balance sheets on many of these are pretty good. So uh, we like the big integrated plays, but this is an area that I think has underappreciated potential from a reopening trade perspective. Now, if you enjoy the Invest Talk podcast, we thank you, and we enjoy your support, and may please suggest that you tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. And of course, we encourage your questions anytime, day or night, at 888 chart So let's go to a caller question that came in earlier, this time from Wisconsin. Hello, Steve or Justin. This is Nathan from Wisconsin. I'm becoming a longtime listener. Love the show. Love you guys' good, sound advice. I have a question on energy transfer. They have high debt, but they're under new management. And instead of uh, trying to build an empire, they're going to be looking at paying down their debt. They pay a good dividend. I believe it's undervalued. So I'm looking at selling my position in the ETF, R-E-E-T, to start building my portfolio of individual stocks. I'm down 11% on REIT. Just wondering what your thoughts were, if I should get out and go for some potential upside on energy transfer, ET. Or if you think I should stay in REIT, or if you have a thumbs down on both of them, I'd appreciate your answer. Thank you. Bye. 
All right, he's looking at to roll out of REET, which is the iShares Global REIT ETF. One thing I like about this is that it's global, that uh, you're getting exposure to the broader world of real estate outside of the U.S. Uh, the yield is 2.6%, trailing 12 months. The SEC yield is 4.8%. I got to look into that uh, disparity there. The chart on REIT definitely looks a lot better, and you're going to be more diversified. Uh, energy transfer, that is a name that, like you said, has a lot of debt. Certainly going to be higher risk. You're betting on one name. Uh, certainly has a higher dividend rate, right, about uh, 13%. Uh, but you're battling with a lot of debt. And that dividend is not going to be nearly as guaranteed as something like REET. Right? They've already cut it from $0.30 cents to $0.15. Cents. And if they're trying to, they're under new management, they're trying to reduce the debt, the easiest thing is to lower that dividend. And that's likely, to me, what they're going to do uh, going forward is continue to uh, lower that dividend. At 15 cents a share, you know, and, and it doesn't look like forward that's going to be that high. It's going to be about 9% going forward. Um, you know, I like... Read. Obviously, it depends on your overall risk tolerance. It depends on the rest of your portfolio, how much exposure do you have to REITs, as well as uh, energy. So that comes into the mix here. Uh, but if I'm looking at it in a vacuum, would I rather own ET or REIT? Uh, from a risk-adjusted perspective, risk-adjusted, understanding the level of volatility in each of these names, I rather own REIT, R-E-E-T. Uh, because it's global, because that dividend is secure and likely to grow, uh, I rather own that one. On the next Invest Talk, the story: a Chapter 15 filing is bringing a day of reckoning for Luckin Coffee. Steve and I have warned you about the dangers of these foreign Chinese listings, and the bankruptcy protection move suggests that when the full story is written, it won't be good for shareholders or other Chinese stocks. That story tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. Just wondering what your thoughts are on all the Robinhood trading and the, the Red Hat boards. Got a question for Steve or Justin? Now is a good time to call Invest Talk. Let's say you've been thinking about learning a new language. Okay, why? I mean, how would it come in handy? And where would you want to use it? Could it be that you have an upcoming international trip? Or maybe you want to connect with family members or friends from a different culture? I think you should know about Rosetta Stone. With millions of users, it's been the world's most trusted language learning program for 30 years. Rosetta Stone is available on your desktop or as an app with audio companion and the ability to download lessons offline. Rosetta Stone truly immerses you in the language you want to learn. It has a built-in, patented speech recognition engine called True Accent. So as you practice speaking, you'll get feedback on how well you pronounce words. With Rosetta Stone, you pick up a language naturally. First with words, then phrases, then sentences. It's an intuitive process designed for long-term retention. You really learn to speak listen, and think in your new language. Rosetta Stone is an amazing value, so your special skill set is within easy reach. You know you want to do this, so 
Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, InvestTalk listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off now at rosettastone.com today. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. It's an Invest Talk Monday. Justin Klein is here taking your questions live. How is your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing volatility? You've got questions. Call Invest Talk. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. Love the show. Appreciate what y'all do for us. Colin, in regards to ticker ADMA Biologics, they have recently instituted a poison pill effective December 30th. And uh, I would like to know more about that. Is that good? I'm a shareholder before that date and a little confused on what that means for me and if this is a good thing. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. So a poison pill refers to a strategy that companies typically take, and it's prevent or discourage a hostile takeover. Uh, and there are different ways that this can be achieved. Uh, but basically, it typically is not a good thing because it's limiting the potential for a good outcome for you as a shareholder. Right? One good outcome could be another large company comes in and tries to take over the business. Uh, just by buying shares, uh, getting a seat on the board, etc., and maybe at a higher price as well. So typically, that's not a good thing. Now, you could look at it other way and say, well, these the management is not looking to 
get out of the business. They don't want to be taken over in the near term because they're so bullish on the long-term outcome of their products and their business. And so the argument here would be that management sees so much potential in the biologics that they are producing or they're developing that they don't want to do all this work to get it to market and then have some activist shareholder come in and uh, try to take a seat on the board and change management, etc. So there's definitely ways to think about it. Pros and cons, just like most things, right? There are pros and cons. Now, technically, this is looking stronger. Uh, the biotech sector as a whole has been looking stronger since uh, the beginning of the year, so that's not a shock. But this is a name that's been consistently losing money. It's been consistently issuing shares to dilute shareholders, right? The shares outstanding in 2011 were 3 million. Now there's 77 million issuing new shares basically every single year. And that's not a good thing for you as a shareholder. But if you, some, you know something about their biologics, their technology, maybe they are going to get past uh, stage three trials and, and get to market, uh, this could be a good thing and it might be a good hold, but you'd really need to understand their business. But great question. Uh, poison pill is not discussed very much. Uh, and like I said, there's multiple ways to get at, to, to make that happen, that a board will do that, uh, oftentimes complex, but just know that there are pros and cons. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, let's check in on what people are doing with their stimulus checks. And there's some interesting statistics that have come out. Uh, there was a census survey. And we know that two rounds have already gone out or expecting another one. And if you look at the two different ones, right, the one that happened in March or April of last year, another one end of this end of last year, they were used in a little bit different ways. And it also depends on your age group. People age 54, sorry, age 25 to 39 used the money, money mostly for paying off debt. About 54% of those people used that money to pay off debt. 26 said that they saved it during this recent period. This is talking about the recent stimulus check. Now, if you're older, age 40 to 54, 57% of those people paid off debt and 22% saved it. Obviously, the rest kind of went out there and spent it. So it just shows that this stimulus effort is really going towards repairing balance sheets, personal balance sheets, more than anything. And if you look at the statistics about credit card debt, credit card reporting companies reported consumer credit card debt was down 14% in 2020. Crazy, right? You would think during a pandemic with so many people laid off that credit card debt would actually rise. Well, the average credit card debt held by millennials, they dropped 11%. So a little bit worse than the average, but still, those are the people that probably benefited the most. Now, the one during the spring of 2020 said that nearly 60% of those who received or expected to receive the, the, the payment reported that they plan to spend the check on expenses. So it went to expenses, paying down debt, 
and savings. 13% right? of those people said they paid off debt. So while you might think that the stimulus checks that are going out is really going to drive spending, in a lot of ways, that's true. But in a lot of ways, it's just going to repair balance sheets that are stretched. Now, that is a positive, though, longer term, right? Because when you have less debt today, that gives you more capacity to spend and add debt tomorrow. Not to say that you should do that, but you have to look at what the average person does in aggregate and how that impacts the economy, impacts earnings, impacts the markets. And if suddenly people have better credit scores, which they do, if they have less debt-to-income ratios, which they are because they're paying down debt for the most part, what are they going to be able to do? Well, when the economy does reopen, they're going to be able to travel more, spend more on goods and services, and more able to buy a home. So all of these things are beneficial to the economy as a whole. Now, is that uh, efficient? Is that the efficient way to use the money? Well, that's, that's something for, for you to decide. That's a, more of a political matter. But I always focus more on what's the impact on the economy? What's the impact on earnings and different sectors? Because to me, that matters the most. If you want to argue the political aspect to, to it, you could do that so you're blue in the face. For me... It's how it manifests in markets and earnings, most of all. Now, as I've often told you, the Invest Talk caller questions come in day and night on, on our anytime listener line at 888 chart and from all over the world as well. So let's grab another one, this time from Japan. Hello, Steve and Justin. This is Jair calling from Tokyo. My question is regarding CrowdStrike, Charlie, Romeo, Whiskey Delta. The stock is $225 right now. I would like to know your opinion on it. If you can have a quick look and let me know. I'm thinking about investing long term on it, especially with what happened with solar winds and the hacks and everybody working from home, etc. I really appreciate your comment. So I will be listening about your answer on the next show. Thank you again, and have a wonderful day. All right, he's looking at CrowdStrike Holdings. CRWD is the symbol. This is a company who's been growing pretty steadily, revenue up 80-ish percent year over year over the past, past all four quarters of the last, sorry, last five quarters. So very strong growth, and they finally hit profitability last three quarters after few years of, of losing money and trailing 12 months, their free cash flow is clocking at $246 million. Now, their market cap is $49 billion, though, $49 billion. And to me, that's just too expensive. No debt. I love that. Uh, I, I love their growth. But my value on this is a lot closer to $100 than where it's at about $222. And technically, it's starting to form what looks like a head and shoulders, uh, and the momentum is certainly waning here. Uh, and if you're, ha if you're going to continue to see a rotation out of growth and into value, which we continue to see that since September, 
this is a name that will likely have a re-rating lower, especially if interest rates continue to rise. So, you know, at 100, I like the name. At 200 plus, I don't. Uh, I think it's a good company. Uh, I, I like what you're thinking about, a security software company that's growing and doing well and is near the top of its uh, profession. CrowdStrike definitely ticks a lot of boxes in that sense. Uh, but it's definitely not the best value out there. Honestly, it's not my favorite of the cloud security names. We have others that we like uh, a little bit better and are at better values. So uh, I would continue to do some work in the space and try to find some companies that are maybe not growing as fast, but certainly more profitable and at much better valuations. Now, I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk, and you are not alone. In the month of January, our podcast downloads surpassed 917,000. So that brings the grand total for the program's history over 29 million. And our listener base is the largest here in the U.S., but we have podcast fans all around the world, and we appreciate all of you, whether you're listening in Germany, Australia, the U.K., China, Japan, Switzerland, even we have some in Afghanistan. And this may surprise you, but there are others, uh, Thailand, Korea, and Steve and I thank you for downloading Invest Talk, for telling your family and friends about our free investing and finance podcast. Please keep the calls and questions and emails coming in. And of course, you are welcome to call our KPP Financial Offices in Irvine, California. We would love to help you at 800-557-5461. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk is always made better when our listeners contribute their questions. Hi guys, Lee from North Carolina here. I had a question about Stitch Fix, ticker SFIX. So tell your friends and family members they can interact in real time with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein during the Invest Talk live stream program between 4 and 5 p.m. Pacific time. Hey Justin and Steve, this is Phil in Washington, D.C. Love you guys, I've learned so much. Or they can leave their questions anytime, 24-7, in the Invest Talk voice bank. Look forward to hearing you guys on the podcast. Thanks. Remember, for live or recorded questions, the number never changes. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's touch quickly on bond funds. And, you know, there are a lot of baby boomers retiring. I talked about this before. Uh, this accelerated in 2020 because of the pandemic. But even before the pandemic, 10,000 baby boomers were retiring each and every day. And uh, I think it was an additional million or so for the year above expectation because of the pandemic. Uh, and what that means is that there are a lot of retirees trying to invest in a time where interest rates are very low. Uh, and they're looking at bonds, and the yields are atypical to what most boomers have expected, right? During the 80s, 90s, even the early 2000s, you could get 4 5 6% very easily on the bond side, right? Treasuries, corp high-grade corporates, etc. And now that's much more difficult. At a time when most of these retirees are looking to increase their bond weightings in their portfolios. Now, the conventional wisdom is you should probably have 40, 50 plus percent in bond yields or in bonds. Problem is, is that the bond index is yielding as low as 1.1 percent. 
And why is that? Well, if you look at the Bloomberg Aggregate Bond Index, right, ag, its heaviest weighting is in conservative U.S. government bonds. Now, what that means is for every 1% rise in yields, the average U.S. bond index fund is going to lose about 6% in price. Well, if you're only yielding 1.5% or so, you're going to wipe out four years of gains just by a 1% move in the overall market, right? So if treasury yields, they've already moved over a half a percent, right? They move another half a percent. That's a pretty decent drop in the bond index. Now, what are the ways to gain more yield in this environment? Well, you have to take more risk, just like anything. You want a higher return, you're going to have to take more risk. And there are ways to diversify things like treasury inflation protective securities in case interest rates do rise because of inflation, which is certainly a strong possibility in this decade. Or you can invest in things like emerging market debt, right? You have some credit, not credit, you have credit risk, but also currency risk, which you don't with U.S. bonds. But with the dollar falling and likely continue to fall over this decade, eh, maybe that's not a bad way to go. There's also high yield bonds. Well, if the government's going to come in and save every corporation every time there's a hiccup in the economy or the markets, well, maybe high yield bonds make sense. And I think the market's trying to price that in, basically saying, hey, the government's got their back at every turn. So why not take that extra risk in the high yield bond market? Same with the Fed, right? The Fed bought high yield bonds. So that's why you have, that's where you can get extra yield, but maybe they don't rescue them in the next downturn. And then you also still have to think about if interest rates do take off. That's why we like individual bonds. If you can buy individual bonds and do your research on these individual companies, you're going to be able to get much better yield and much better return. And not having that risk of duration, right? The duration risk of interest rates rising. And so this is a different environment going into retirement for a lot of, a lot of boomers. Uh, and you have to be smart about how you deploy that side of your portfolio so you're not exposed to too many low-yielding securities like treasuries, but you get that nice, good yield, which is still difficult in this environment. This is Invest Talk. We're heading into our final break. So I appreciate you all tuning in for this hour. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Let's take a quick look at your financial to-do list. At the top, make that phone call to the Invest Talk Anytime Listener Line, 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is John calling from Michigan. Thank you for taking my call. I was hoping to get your opinion on Ford, ticker symbol F. Thank you and have a great day. Bye. Well, I don't think anyone needs me to tell them what Ford does, but this is a name that has been really on a tear as of the last, pretty much since the March lows, and it's gone from, let's see, what was the low here? $12 and, no, $3.96, high is $12.15, now it's at $11.54, a little bit off that 52-week high, but technically very, very strong. Earnings are expected to grow 36% this year. Sorry, next year, 161% uh, this year, 
from last year's earnings of only 41 cents. So really getting back to pre-pandemic levels and even better. And certainly they're coming out with the new electric models and, and trying to compete in that space. And uh, I think the big question is, who do you want to hitch your ride to when it comes to electric cars? Which one has the, the better manufacturing technology, uh, better models, etc.? And I think many of these major manufacturers, Ford, GM, Volkswagen, etc., are going to take a lot of share from the likes of Tesla and others. And I think many of them will be solid bets. Uh, Ford isn't at the top of my list, however, um, but technically it's strong. The valuation, if it makes $1.45 next year, certainly not stretched if it's at $11.50. So if you think that Ford will be able to continue to compete and start to take market share from the other electric makers, uh, then I would say buy it. But it's not on top of my list the car companies that will be able to compete. Now, backlog of caller questions, so Steve and I will be recording an all-new Rapid Fire Hour, but in the meantime, let's squeeze in one last question here. Hey, Steve and Justin, this is Kevin. I'm calling from New Jersey. I was just wondering about a stock CNXC or Concentrics. They are uh, an industry leader in uh, customer experience and support services, and their parent company is Cynex. So I was just wondering what you guys think about them. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Bye. All right, this is Contract Con Corporation and Sinex. I know that one. Is this a spin-off? It might be a spin-off because I think it is because this recently started trading in November. And if you look at their business, it looks pretty good, uh, especially in relation to its market cap. Trailing 12 months, free cash flow, $409 million, and its market cap is only about five, yeah, about five billion. Now, revenue growth, 7% last quarter, earnings up 34%, earnings expected to be $8 this year on $110 stock. You know, that's, that's not bad. It's a fairly cheap multiple uh, in my mind. I like that their business is, is, is solid and, and growing. Uh, I like the type of business they do, right? That software that enables companies to engage with their customers, uh, customer management, uh, and they are in all types of industries, uh, consumer lifecycle management. I mean, there's just a lot to like here with their business. So it uh, looks like a recent spinoff. Now, technically, I will say the chart did have a breakdown so the middle of last week, or I guess the week before that, uh, and it's been consolidating, which to me means that it's probably going to head lower near term. But to me, if that, does, that break, breaks down back below 100, that's an area that I would be buying shares because I think this is a pretty good value. I like the business. I really like what you're looking at. That was Concentrics, is that you say it? Yeah, Concentrics. C-N-X-C is the symbol. Now that we are settling into the new year, I think it's worth taking a minute to make you aware of some of the benefits Steve and I can offer our KP investors. We're based in Irvine, California, which is, if you don't know, in Southern California and a little bit south of L.A., I remind you that here on Invest Talk and at my company, KPP Financial, we operate the philosophy of independent thinking and shared success, which means that we do implement parallel investing, which means we invest right alongside our clients. And 
you want to reach it out to us via our website, investtalk.com, to set up a portfolio review for free, you can do that. It's very simple. Just head over there, click on the portfolio review tab. We can help you. We want to help you. Now, I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free podcast downloads. We post a new program each weekday shortly after the end of our live stream podcast, which concludes at 5 p.m. Pacific time. Get your free downloads anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. And as always, investtalk.com. Be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.